What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. guys five movies this one of your co-hosts chris gasper this is frank pelican you're listening to the quick cage where frank watch nick's <laughs> watches nick cage movies so you don't have to uh frank which nick cage movie you're going to do tonight uh so tonight we're going to talk about one that maybe you might want to watch um okay 2002's um bizarro comedy drama adaptation mm-hmm. um directed by spike jones and written by charlie kaufman um co-starring Meryl Streep, uh Chris Cooper, um a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Shit. Maggie, Maggie G- Gillenhall, Gillenhall is in it. Mm-hmm. Um uh, what is her name? Nora. Nora. No, not Nora. Okay. Tilda Swindon? No, Judy Greer. Yeah, Tilda Swinton's in it too. Yeah. Uh Brian Cox is in it. Yeah. Jim Beaver's um, in it. Who? Jim Beaver. Oh yeah, Jim Beaver is in it. Briefly. Yeah, I love Jim Beaver. Sorry. Um. So, probably one of the more bizarre Nick Cage movies. That's actually just really good in general. Um. Mostly because of the talent of both Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. Um. So the premise of the movie is that Charlie Kaufman is writing an adaptation of a real-life book called The Orchid Thief, which he was, you know, paid to write an adaptation of. Um, So it it stars Cage in two roles, um, playing Charlie Kaufman and playing his fictitious twin brother, Donald Kaufman. Um, Charlie is a balding, overweight, neurotic, screenwriter who's gained some fame for um well being john malkovich you know is the thing that's really like driven him to stardom right um so he gets contracted to write an adaptation of this best-selling novel called the orchid Thief, um and has no idea how to go about it suffers from writer's block um also suffers from some pretty crippling neuroses um and just general like social anxiety um his brother is pretty much the opposite of him. Uh, he's a free spirit kind of, I don't know, just slacker who's never really done anything in life and lives with Charlie in Hollywood who decides he's also going to write a screenplay, which is this increasingly ridiculous um, psychological thriller about uh, a schizophrenic who has three personalities, but you don't find that they're three, all three personalities are the same person until the end of the movie um so he's just continuously like building his idea about this movie like based on that that um that premise um charlie starts to write kind of this fictitious account of um susan orleans relationship with um 
the Chris Cooper character, um, John LaRoche, who in real life was a guy who had all these different interests and was basically like a amateur professional botanist um, who poached exotic plants from the Everglades um, and got caught and used, tried to use this defense that because he had um, Seminoles taking the plants out that you can't prosecute a Seminole for taking plants out of the um, Everglades because they technically own the land. Um, so because he wasn't technically poaching them, that it was like, that's, that's his, his legal defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story's told both from Kaufman's perspective of trying to write this screenplay and failing at it and also failing at like pretty much any interaction or um, effort that he puts forth in life. And this increasingly bizarre love story between Meryl Streep's um, Susan Orlean and Chris Cooper's John LaRoche. Uh, where she's this unsatisfied um, New York elitist who's like a published author and a writer for the New Yorker and he's this toothless like hillbilly basically or I don't know what you would call like swamp person um, who's got this incredible wealth of knowledge and um, sort of draws her in with his charm uh, to the point where it becomes this kind of high stakes caper where charlie kaufman catches them having sex and snorting the pollen from the um the ghost's orchid um and susan orlean decides that they need to kill (laughs) charlie so they basically take him out into the swamp to murder him but donald was hiding in the back of his car and they escape and then (laughs) laroche gets eaten by an alligator and um donald ends up dying in this accident so I guess it's it's weird because like I'm not a huge fan of the conceit of like the artist placing themselves in the movie sometimes like I think sure. that's kind of um, super pretentious but he goes through a, a period where like during his writing he's kind of taking you through the process of coming up with this idea that that's what he's going to do and he addresses the fact that like it doesn't really work and voiceover narration doesn't work which is like the whole movie and like just all this really self-deprecating stuff about the movie that you're actually watching that you're watching him write like while you're watching it um so even though it's not as i don't know if you would call being john malkovich like mystical or like fantastical it's in some ways even more um like bizarre and convoluted the way the story's told so um but in the end you know he kind of gains confidence from finishing this screenplay and ends up confessing his love to this woman that he's been in love with for a long time and um just to sort of happy at the end and it's just uh kind of heartwarming even though his twin brother dies during you know the middle of it um some really really great dialogue really well written um it's an incredibly nuanced performance from cage Mm -hmm. um both as like this nebbish like schlubby neurotic um with maybe the the funniest like um I don't know what you call that, like bald cap, but it's not really a bald cap because there's hair on it. 
um, like with his receding hairline, and then his, his twin brother has like a better hairline than he does, and gets women and can talk to people. And even though he's like not a success at all, and Charlie Kaufman is a success, um, ends up getting offered like a six figure deal for this novel about the schizophrenic or whatever, or the his screenplay about the schizophrenic. Um, yeah, just really, I don't know. It's just a really good, entertaining movie. Um, I remember. I don't remember if I saw this in the theater or not. I think you saw this in the theater, right? I did not, no. I, I saw it when it came out on DPD. Somebody we know went to the theater to see this. Maybe it was Deke. Hmm. Um, and loved it. And I was so tired of like the being John Malkovich hype at that point that I had no desire right. to watch it when it came out. Um, so I didn't see it until a few years later on DVD. And I I, I really liked it at the time. But I, I think I like it a lot more now just because it's it's so ambitious and yet like such a small movie at the same time because it's not really about a whole lot but there's so much happening in it and so like it, it would be so easy for it to be completely like masturbatory which sure. in some ways it is um and that's actually a really funny part is that like repeatedly well you've seen it like repeatedly mm-hmm. throughout the movie um charlie is trying to like masturbate to fantasies about women that he meets in his life right um and never with any success like he's interrupted by something or um something happens and it stops him or whatever but um it just it isn't it's very very self-deprecating very i think self-aware and still super entertaining about a guy that's really not that interesting of a character in the law like in the grand scheme of things but cage just you know, he he kind of infuses this like real, like sad humanity to him, and you just mm-hmm. to both you know Charlie and to Donald, and you really come to have a lot of affection for both those characters, and you want to see them succeed. And then when it turns into this ridiculous like crime thriller at the end, when they're running through the Everglades trying to hide from um, LaRoche and uh, Orlean, um, who have guns and they're like chasing them like this friggin' botanist and this uh new yorker um writer um it's just it's 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 the kind of comedy i like because it's never trying to force you into laughing out loud with like over the top shit but it manages to always be funny Mm -hmm. um which i really appreciate i think those are the kind of comedies i like the best like the kind that are more you're just impressed with the cleverness of it and like the wittiness of the dialogue and the fact that it can still pull like emotion out of you other than just, you know, whatever, like laughter. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just really, um, really entertaining and worthwhile movie to watch. Yeah. You reminded me of like a number of things because <clears throat> you have to think now it's almost 20 years, like, or maybe like 18 years since it came out on DVD that I've seen it. So I've honestly forgotten a lot of parts of that movie. having only seen it once, but, um, yeah, I remember enjoying it at the time, and you actually reminded me of a lot of things I kind of hadn't thought about in a long time. So, yeah, I, it's probably something I will go back and visit, like, some night when I'm just looking for something to watch and I see it. So <clears throat> it's, it's really interesting, too, to see, like, all these people, because everyone in this movie, with the exception of, um, uh, like, some really minor supporting cast people and, like, you know, obviously um, Donald Kaufman, who's not a real character. Um, and his girlfriend, like everyone's, there's so many people that are playing like real people mm-hmm. that actually exist. And instead of getting 
those people to play themselves they got actors to play them so you know you've got um i mean susan orlean was a respected novelist and author and actually i like from what i read was really reticent to let them tell this specific story because she's an adulterer and a drug addict Mm -hmm. like an attempted murderer and um she said that after she like was they basically convinced her to let him do it that she was pretty impressed with the movie but like you know the chris cooper character john laroche is a real guy um there's a brian cox plays this um screenwriting coach named robert mckee who's you know like a real screenwriting coach so there's just a lot of really interesting um i think ron livingston's character the um agent is a real character like a real person so Mm. It's just funny to see these real people and it's like, like you, I don't know if you complain, but like you always point out the whole twee, like, I don't know what the word is, like preciousness of stuff like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, the fucking, like, why can't I think of this dude's name? The Life Aquatic and Wes Anderson? Yeah, Wes Anderson, duh. And I all I can think of was Paul Thomas Anderson. I was like, yeah, he's definitely not Twee. No. Um I point that out. Sometimes you say it. I, I think it's more when we talk just in private, like just about their you don't you don't say it about him, but like stuff that feels inspired by him. Mm. Like the like the precociousness and the quirkiness of the sure. Oh, okay, yeah, the, yeah, right. Because I don't the complain meticulous... about it with him. yeah. I don't complain about it with him necessarily. I complain about right. it with other people trying to make right. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the meticulous nature of like set design and the costume. Sure. And like this is every bit in feel like like, like a Wes Anderson movie mm-hmm. without having any of that. You know, whatever. Like magical fairy whatever shit right that's kind of like infused in those type of movies so it's just you know it's um i mean spike jones is a really good director i think and sure kaufman himself like went on to be a pretty decent director um and is definitely a you know a, a talented screenwriter um spike jones himself i mean when he's directed like four movies i think yeah, it's, um, um, this being John Malkovich, uh, Where the Wild Things Are, and uh, Her. Her, right. Yeah, which is the one that I've never seen. Yeah, same here. It's been on my Netflix list since COVID started. Yep. Right. I never, like, I always feel like I'm not going to like it. Now I feel like I really need to watch it. I think, I um, think yeah, I think probably it's a, it's a good thing to just watch it just because, I mean, at least you can be a Spike Jones completist, right? <laughs> right. Very easily. Right. Um, but Kaufman wrote some amazing movies. Like, you know, aside from this and Malkovich, like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Eternal Sunshine. And um, I'm thinking of ending things, which both of, both of us really liked a lot. And he actually right. directed that. Directed that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just this perfect combination of these two, like, really great, bizarre talents of people who are able to make something that's abstract and thoughtful and witty without going too far without becoming like just too in love with their own like work or themselves or something i don't know how else to say it but it's just um i kind of feel bad that i didn't appreciate what was happening with you know the two of them and with these movies when they came out it took me a lot longer to 
kind of come around to it. Yeah. And again, I think that's just because people were so in love with, you know, being John Malkovich when it came out. And I enjoyed being John Malkovich, but I didn't think it was like the greatest movie ever. Um, it's something where I feel like maybe I should go back and, and reconsider that movie too a little bit because I might like it a little more. I, I, yeah. I get your point about like Butzel and I watched Malkovich over at his place, you know, whenever it came out on DVD and I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a really interesting surrealist um, movie that I only remember one thing out of the entire movie, which is the very last scene where he goes to see Charlie Sheen. And I remember they call each other. Um, he, he calls him machine. And then um, he calls Malkovich Malkatraz. Um, it's the only thing I remember out of that movie, like that stuck with me. Uh, it's, it's one of those movies that I kind of immediately within a week forgot, even though I enjoyed it at the time. Um, it's not something that stuck with me whatsoever, but, um, I think there's probably a lot more going on in that movie philosophically. Um, and I know it was directed well, but it's like, um, philosophically that I probably should go back and watch it myself as well. Yeah, and I but, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're the same. Hard time hitting play on it, right? What's that? You probably thought about it before, and it's a hard time hitting play, right? Oh, yeah. There's so many movies like that. It's honestly yeah. <coughs> one of the other ones. And, like, it's a movie that I really enjoyed the one time I saw it. It's something where I've just never been able to go back and watch it is um, uh, Synecdoche, New York. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, fucking brilliant movie. Right. When I first saw it. But it's one of those, you know friend of the podcast jason heaster loves that movie mm -hmm. and i think for some reason i always think like i can't watch that movie ever again <laughs> because he was telling me one night like how much mm -hmm. he loved that mm -hmm. and it just made me not want to watch it right but mm -hmm. i i because it was did you watch did movie. you watch archer yet though no okay. no I've, I've watched like two episodes of archer ever. <laughs> same with rick and morty i'm i'm not i don't i don't watch i don't watch anything um, but yeah, so this is, this is $3.99 on Amazon. It's not free anywhere that I could find. Um, but man, it's like really worth a watch. And if, if you ever see it anywhere streaming, unless you just want to pay the $4 to rent it, like it's definitely worth watching and just a really like excellent, small, fun movie that makes you think and makes you appreciate life. There's what is the there's a line in it that um basically right before he dies donald says to um charlie and it's um fuck, i'm gonna fuck this up you are what you love not what loves you because charlie's mm -hmm. talking about how much he respects donald and donald's ability to just like be oblivious basically to people making fun of him and donald's like i'm not oblivious to it it's just that's not that's not on me like if they're gonna make fun of me it's not that's none of my business my business is how i feel and what i think because they're talking about how like donald was talking to this beautiful girl that he was in love with and as soon as he walked away charlie saw the girl like make fun of donald to her friend and he was like of course i heard her and he was like but that doesn't make me love her less that's that's on her that she would do that not on me and it's just such a, I don't know, such like this poignant moment while they're hiding like waist deep in swamp water from the right. two lunatics that are chasing them with guns. It's, I don't know. But yeah, it's a really good, very, yeah. um, very yeah, highly. 
it's it's not it's nice to hear about a good movie from Cage. Um, considering the unless we have a surprise, I think this might be one of the last ones. But um, uh, there'll be a couple more. There's a, there's one at least that I haven't talked about yet that I'm kind of keeping in my back pocket, and I think there's another couple on top of that that'll come out of it. But yeah, it's going to be pretty few and far between. I mean, it's going to be a lot of a lot of a lot of rough sailing ahead in the seas of seas of Nick Cage. Is that like Captain Mandeli's Parasol or something like that? Like the is the good one? That movie's that that movie's fine. That's a that's that's a fine review. There's some really great things about that movie, but there's some problems with that movie, and yeah. that's it's one of the reasons why. Number one, I don't want to talk about it because you always fuck it up and make fun of me, and you're just you're just not going to get fucking see i can eat captain Crowley's mandolin or whatever the fuck you, you, you ain't getting it until i'm ready to give it to you um i want it to be the last episode it might like be. I, want, I want it to be that like matt damon like meme on the jimmy kimmel show for all those years where it's like it gets talked about like every two weeks but never happens yeah i'm gonna have to watch it again too because it was one of the first ones i watched mm-hmm like it's literally been probably a year since I've watched Captain Crowley's Mandolin. I don't even know if it's free anywhere anymore. Uh, it is. It's it's free somewhere. I just saw it the other day. Um, it's that one. It's um, I don't know. There's there's a handful that are like reserved for when I'm feeling particularly cantankerous or when I want to talk about something I like. And right, you just have to get what you get when it happens. Right. So uh, you already brought up kind of talking about. Kaufman and Spike Jones and those kind of things. So um, before we get into that, like, what about Cage in this? Like, what's the what's the scores? Oh, it's a nine out of ten. It's one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie itself, also, I'd say like eight and a half, nine. I mean, it's a solid like A minus movie. Yeah. Um, one of the best movies we've talked about on this podcast, I think. Hmm. And I would say probably, man, I didn't really have to think about that. Maybe like top three of his all time performances, hmm. yeah. performances so. and movies in general that he's been in. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I uh, mean, that's if I take my own personal bias out of things. Sure, um, because like obviously, like I love Mandy and I love Color Out of Space, and right, I, his performances are like ridiculously good in both those movies, but. Right, and leaving Las Vegas leaving Las Vegas didn't deserve an Oscar either. No, no, fuck that movie. Um, so, given that, um, then it's like I want to do our little thought exercise um, in terms of the Academy Awards. <clears throat> I was looking up here, so he gets nominated that year for Best Actor uh, for this role. Um, the other nominees are Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt. Michael Caine for The Quiet American, Adrian Brody for The Pianist, and Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York. <clears throat> the winner that okay. year is Adrian Brody. Right, now I remember. Um, what do you think? Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen all those movies, probably. So I don't really right? remember. Quite, I, I know the, the Quiet American I watched because it's... Um, right. What's his name adaptation? Uh yeah, it's Graham, Graham Green. Yeah, yeah Graham Green. Uh-huh. Um, what do you want? Like, like what do you th- do? You think that's the right choice, as Brody? That's a really great performance. I, 
I would say performance wise, I think Day Lewis is probably the best performance out of those five because he that's just like an utterly transformative role and seriously like the best thing by far in that movie. Right. So so I mean, see, I, I agree with that, but let me ask you this. Is Day Lewis I mean, because this has come up in the most recent Oscars with a couple of people getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor when it's like they're the lead role, even if it's two people. Like, um, and it's like, why aren't they Best Actor? Is Daniel Day-Lewis actor here or Best Supporting Actor? See, that's the thing is that he kind of... Because, I mean, DiCaprio is the, the actor in that movie. I mean, Right, up until the scene where he's draped in the American flag and talking right. to um, DiCaprio. Yeah. They, have pretty, ever. They, they have pretty equal screen time. Right. It's after that point that DiCaprio, when it becomes like whatever it becomes, like a, I don't know, like a archaic action thriller or something. I don't even know mm-hmm. what you call it. Um, I think that's when DiCaprio moves the weight of performance to his side and i would argue that he's the actor at that point but i think that because it was such an amazing performance and because daniel d lewis is so respected i think that's why um he got yeah. the nod sure or the nomination so all right i mean all all those i'm not a huge fan of about schmidt i would say that's probably the least great performance because that's really just nicholson playing nicholson i agree kathy bates although she's still playing kathy bates to some degree but i really like kathy bates in that movie but um i'm not the biggest fan of that movie what are the other ones again uh cage brody and the pianist kane and quiet american day lewis and gangs new york and nicholson and about schmidt i I think that Brendan Fraser in The Quiet American is actually a better performance. And I would argue that he could be considered like the actor in that movie. I mean, I I, I think that they're enough. I guess really he is kind of supporting, but man, he's so good in that movie. Yeah. Um, I I, I think definitely. (laughs) So let's take Day Lewis out of it real quick. Do you think Cage is better than Brody? Yes. Okay. So, th- so this should have been Cage's Oscar, possibly. Yeah, I like mean, his, I... his legit Oscar, because again, fucking fuck leaving to Las Vegas. So that's terrible. Oh. I I think I think the pianist gets the nod here because because of the subject matter, right? more than because of the performance and again it's it's a really good performance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the movie itself is is a good movie but like i don't know that it's better than any of the other performances there except maybe i mean michael kane's performance is really good and that's sure. a really tough role right especially because he's basically playing the villain in the movie in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Um, yeah, I, I I think Cage probably deserved it because it's also, again, I think Nicholson is just playing Nicholson, so take him out of the equation. Sure. It's the most 
genius performance of the most normal role ever. Like, he's playing just a person. And, like, a person with no real amazing, outstanding qualities. He's just this neurotic, uncomfortable guy. Mm-hmm. And he's so likable and lovable throughout that, but so, like, frustratingly dense about everything. And he he controls himself so much. Like, he doesn't make him a caricature ever, which is, I think, like, the most amazing thing because you take this guy with all these quirks and idiosyncrasies and hang-ups and whatever like he could be played as a ridiculous character and he's always like he never crosses that line into like parody it's it's really just like a i i i think a pretty amazing performance i mean i would rank them day lewis one cage two probably brody three and kane four and then nicholson five if that's the that's what we're going with. All right. So let me ask you this one. All right. So the best pictures that year are Gangs of New York, The Hours, The Pianist, Chicago, and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Um, so obviously, Two Towers goes. So other movies from this year are Adaptation, um, Road to Perdition, Catch Me If You Can, Itu Mama Tambien, uh, spirited away. So Frida, that's probably about it. So any of those movies strike your fancy as being, I mean, oh, I think all those movies are being shut out compared to the two towers myself, but, um, did you say eight mile? Oh no, I did not. Is I didn't see that. I mean, I consider a mile like yeah should be on that list. Um, Autofocus, I think, should have been on that list. That's a really good movie. What's that? Uh, Paul Schrader movie about um, shit. What's his name? Um, Paul Schrader just keeps coming back up, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Okay, I don't know that movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, Bob Crane. Okay. So any of those movies, so do you think Adaptation could be on that list? Yeah, I think it should have been. Okay. I think that because it's so... Oh, well, wait, that's... 2001 is what I'm looking at, right? Because, hold on, I was looking at 2002. Yeah, no, you're looking at 2003 Academy Awards. So, 75th, 75th Academy Awards. Um, so hard to go through all these. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's not very well organized on Wikipedia. Is I'm assuming what you're looking at. It never is. No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the list of movies that got nominated don't deserve to be on that list. Yeah. The only one I might make an argument for is... I don't know. My so, personal biases are coming into this. I mean, what are, what are the I think Chicago is... Chicago, Gangs of New York, The Hours, Two Towers... 
than the pianist. All right. So the hours, I might see an argument for. I don't know. Like, think of all the good movies that year. Like, yeah, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was that year, and City of God is that year, which is crazy. I mean, I guess I probably got nominated for Best Foreign Film. Um, probably the same thing with uh, Itumama Tambien. That was definitely nominated for Best Foreign Film, I think. Yeah, it was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Um, oh. Which is kind of why I made that joke off air. Um, about. So... Ichimam Batampien is not nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and neither is... Um, City well, of God? No. Really? Are you sure City of God's not the next year, like, for the Oscars? It didn't come I'm out in 2003. I'm 2002 in film. Uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's not there. I don't know, like, Hero is the only one that I um, that I actually recognize, um, but it's a movie called Nowhere in Africa is what ended up winning. I mean, it says 2002 Brazilian crime film. I'm looking at it right here. Okay, yeah. All right. I thought it was, yeah. So fucking amazing. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Spirit Away did win Best Animated Feature that year. Um, that's also the same year as Lilo and Stitch, too. Um, which... Lilo and Stitch is a really good movie. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, I one mean, there's the, plenty. The... Yeah, just from my knowledge base, adaptation, adaptation feels like it should be in that top five, like a Best Picture that year, probably. Igby Goes Down is that year. That movie's really good. There's a whole bunch of really good foreign films, too. Like, Infernal Affairs is that year, and Dark Water is that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gaspar Noe movie, Irreversible, is that year, which fucking yeah. is disgusting, but yeah. still is... Um, I never went back and finished it. We didn't finish that over Chucks, right? Oh, no, no. Yeah. That movie's so fucking hard to watch. Yeah. I watched it later because I thought maybe I was just like right. made more uncomfortable watching with other people, and it, that's not true. It's just All right, so really last last thing I want to ask you here is, okay, Chris Cooper wins this year for Best Supporting Actor. The other nominees are Ed Harris in The Hours, Paul Newman in Road to Perdition, which is fine, but it's only nominated because this is last performance. Um, John C. Riley in Chicago and Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can. Is that the right choice, probably? Yeah. Okay. Cooper is that's the one thing I'll say about this is Mer- Meryl Streep is just always Meryl Streep, but this is a transformative movie for a lot of people. Like Cooper is unrecognizable in a lot of ways mm. <clears throat> for being a guy who's pretty, um, pretty nondescript looking anyway. But I mean, like, you know, where we've grown up, like you've seen Chris Cooper's character, LaRoche, you've seen him at the gas station and at flea markets and, you know, at the liquor store and sitting at the barber chair next to you, like, it's mm-hmm. a dude you know, like, 100%, like, a guy who's super self-educated, but just kind of scummy and skeezy and ostentatious in a lot of ways, and, you know, yeah, but it's, 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 it's an amazing performance. It's, it's really yeah. definitely deserved. <clears throat> so, the last question I have about that particular performance um, is that uh, John Turturro was approached to play that role first. It would have been too much of a joke with Turturro. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I think John Turturro is one of the most underrated actors of our lifetime, but 
there's a certain manic creepy and not even creepiness like over the topness to Totoro that I don't think who knows maybe with Spike Jones it would be different like I'm really right. just kind of thinking of him right now and mostly his like Cohen brothers roles like I'm sure yeah um I and then the cross between the Jesus and right, uh, right. what's his name from uh, Miller's Crossing mm-hmm. um Bernie and that's kind of how I feel like he would have played this character. Right. So last question I have then uh, is Tom Hanks was originally set to play this role. Yeah. Uh, the, the cage role. Um, do you think cage is the better choice? Which sounds ridiculous because it's Tom Hanks. But I mean. I think Tom Hanks would have been fine. But I think the cage like just nailed it completely. So I don't know. Tom Hanks would have been a fine choice for it. He he could play this character well. Like he knows this character, I should say. Yeah, and I I don't really know like what happened exactly, but I'm assuming he ended up taking Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, that seems like that seems what Road to Perdition too, right? Isn't that Hanks? Yeah, it is. So yeah, he was probably so he you know, was, probably ended up taking both of those. Yeah. But um, yeah, catch me if you can. Performance-wise, um, both him and DiCaprio are solid as hell in that movie, even if it's not the greatest movie in the world. Like, yeah, what is? <laughs> all right, I think that's everything. Oh, two, right. I had one last thing that I wrote down here that I wanted to ask you about, based off of all this. Um, so, in terms of update on the Cage filmography, have we done Wind Talkers yet? Yeah, we did it. We did it. Okay. All right. Um, it's probably really depressed on that one or something. Um, so, okay. So we have one movie left in 2002 then, and we'll be done. And it's a minor role, but it is uh, his directorial debut, Cages. Um, it's a film called Sunny, 2002 American crime drama starring James Franco and Harry Dean Stanton. Um, and interesting note is this Tommy Wiseau or whatever is a huge yeah. fan of this movie. Um, and it was Franco's performance that that in it that um, Wiseau like uh, eventually agreed to have Franco portray him. Is it with a U or an O? Uh oh. So Sunny like S O N N Y, yeah. Like Sunny, like Sunny Corleone. Boy, oh boy. So twenty three percent of Rotten Tomatoes, there, my mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clint Mansell uh... did the music for this movie. And the guy who wrote it has no Wikipedia link. <laughs> it made $132,221 at the box office. Yeah. I'm going to have to buy this movie on fucking eBay or something, aren't I? I don't know. Let me look. 
I can buy it on VHS. Yeah, I'm not seeing this movie showing up anywhere, like in terms Talk of me. Hold on, hold on. Well, I mean, that's yeah, you're gonna have to buy this bitch. Yep. You can buy it on VHS for two forty three. That's an unsupported format in my house, buddy. Right. Right. Oh my god, it's almost two hours long. In terms of bestsellers ranks, it ranks number 214,760 right, on Amazon. Only... <laughs> there's only four left in stock, dude. You need to buy this show on DVD like right now. You're going to miss out. I'm going to go look it up on eBay and see what I got going on here. I'm going to be able to get it for like 15 cents. Oh my God. I so want to hear about this movie. Um, it says it's an HBO title. So did he direct this, like an HBO movie about male prostitution starring James Frank? I, I so want to hear about you watch this movie and tell me about it. When I look up Sunny on eBay, I get Sunny Chiba collections and I get <laughs> Sunny and Share documentaries. <laughs> that makes sense. It makes sense. Oh, four ninety nine free shipping. Yes, sir. There you go. Got I'm it. Sunny. Yep. Oh my god, it's sealed too. Oof. Oh shit. Oh Fucking... shit. You should, you should just buy another copy and keep that one. That, that'll appreciate someday, Frank. Right. Factory motherfucking sealed. Mm-hmm. Fucking sell that shit for uh, eight ninety nine here in about twenty years. Uh, people also search for when they search for this movie American Gigolo. Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, Shadow of the Vampire, and definitely Maybe from 2008. Yeah. What is that about? All right, my order's in. Definitely Maybe. What is this movie about? A political consultant who tries to help his 11-year-old daughter understand his impending divorce by telling her the story of his past romantic relationships and how he ended up marrying her mother. So it's maybe it's that's how I met your mother, except for it stars um, Brian Reynolds and Isla Fisher. Um, mm. And it's a romantic comedy drama film from 2018, directed by Adam Brooks, who is the writer of, oh, okay, um, French Kiss, Practical Magic, Beloved, uh, Wimbledon, uh, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. And, he, wrote, uh, he wrote Wimbledon? Yeah. Really mean, like make, sure, make sure it's the same Wimbledon here. Um, the Paul Bettany movie, right? With, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, you wrote that. Yeah, that. That movie's fucking awesome. I, 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 That's another one Like I think I forgot a week. Because you maybe watched it, I think. Yeah, um, I, 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 I still own it on DVD. I don't know. I probably do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, so but I why that movie comes up with um, the gigolo movies, I have no idea, doesn't make sense to me. Now, I kind of want to watch Definitely Maybe. You should, you should, let's see. Uh, definitely, oh, it changed all me because I, it's yeah. It's 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 Google's just looking at the last thing you looked up. Um, that's all they're doing. Uh, oh, it's free on Peacock right now. What is? Definitely, Definitely maybe. maybe. Yep. <coughs> Score. 
We can't wait for you to get sunny. Just, just watch it. Watch, watch the ads, you know. Oh, it came up. I see what it is now. <laughs> Clint Mansell did the uh, music for definitely maybe as well. Dude, it is definitely not Wimbledon that I was thinking of. <laughs> You're thinking of the Paul Bettany movie from Woody Allen. I was thinking of Match Point. Yes. Yeah. Is that that's Paul Bettany too, right? Is it? Or is that Jude Law? I always, I, I used to I always get him confused all the time. No, it's it's Jonathan Reese Myers. So it's the poor man's Paul Bettany, <laughs> and also the poor man's um, Jude Law. Yes, Jude Law is the poor man's Jude Law. Oh, it's got Scar- Scarlett Johansson's in it. Yes, I, I, I remember this movie and I remember enjoying it. Um, I yeah, also really thought movie. that I must have been confused, and you said you like Wimbledon, so um. That this is the movie I was also, I guess, thinking of. I swear to God, we watched Wimbledon, though. I don't think we did. You know what? You were watching movies sometimes with other people during the year that we watched everything, um, <laughs> yeah. especially romantic comedies. So, yeah, you might have watched that after work or something. We watched my, no, not my best friend's wedding. What's the, what's the one that came out in 2004, that romantic comedy? The Wedding Date? The Wedding Date, yes. Yes, we did. Yes. The one oh. with the guy that I always confuse with. Um... Yes. I'm fucking going to forget his name now. Yeah, it's the other two that we the, the, yeah constantly get confused all the time. I get them confused as well. Um, yeah, so The Wedding Date was uh, Dermer, Dermot. Mulroney. Dermot, Dermot Mulroney and Dylan McDermott are the Dylan, two people. Yes, that, right. 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 Dermot Mulroney is the asshole in this movie. Yes, but he was also the one that's in the movie you like, right? My Best Friend's Wedding? Yes. Yeah, right. Um, what's the other one's name? Dylan oh. McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Um, let's do one last Google search here. Oh, right, right. He's the American Horror Story guy in season one, uh, Murder House. Yeah, um, yeah I don't like that guy. <laughs> he's good in that Clopitch Killer movie. He is. Oh, yeah, that's for I, I mean, look, he's fine in the first season of uh, American Horror Story. It's just that um, you're right. He is good in that. Um, he's fine in that story. It's just that um, it feels like it's like too fitting for him. So... I just think I, I just think the dude's kind of an asshole, and I think he plays asshole parts really well. Um, he plays them too well to not for this is is this slander. Um, it, he plays them too well for it not to have a little bit of truth to it. That's I like. Fine. I also like that. Um, fucking God, Dermot Mulroney um, also is like has that imperfection of like his fucked up nose. Um, makes more relatable to me rather than Dylan McDermott. Um, and his his perfect face. Yes, <laughs> yes. Match point, right? Yeah. Okay, so you got Sunny on the way. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, that might be next week's quick cage. You never know. It might be. Um, also, we're, we're knocking off uh, 2002, which is it a would. It is. Yeah, and, and the cages. It says directorial debut. Has he directed anything else ever? Uh, is this is this his one and only ever? It's got to be right. 
producing and directing. Directorial debut. Yeah, this is it. This is it. This is the only Cage movie that he's ever directed. He's produced other shit. This is it. This is big. You know how much it costs for me to watch fucking Honeymoon in Vegas? Let me tell you how pissed off I was yesterday. Because this was supposed to be the Honeymoon in Vegas week. Uh huh. That shit is fucking $20. You got to buy it. What? I ain't paying you got to have $20 for Honeymoon in Vegas. Can't you just buy the DVD? Just like you did Sony? <sighs> Will you stop? <laughs> I should just start buying all these DVDs on eBay for like $3. You should buy every Cage movie on DVD. You should kiss my ass. <laughs> and then get no stimulus check like the rest of you. Oh, okay. We didn't do it last week, so we should congratulate Cage on um getting married for the fifth time. Yeah, congratulations. Rico Shibata. Um this sounds like a villain in fucking um, like Grand Theft Auto or something. It really does. Right? Like you gotta you gotta hijack a car and um, trail him down to the riverfront to, to watch him do some shady deals. You know where he's going to coke Rico Shibata. Right until your fucking you know drug addict brothers down at the bar like and ask you to stop by so you can play fucking darts with him, and then you can just like take some random woman home. <clears throat> And you get I want to see, yeah. I want to watch this Prisoners of a Ghostland movie, but it hasn't come out yet. Wide release or um, streaming release. It's got um, Nick Cassavetes in it and Bill Mosley and Tak Sakaguchi, all of which are pretty appealing to me. Right. It's a crime thriller. Right. Huh. All right. I have nothing left. I think we exhausted this movie, but it was a good movie, so that was positive, and I just wanted to make sure that it got ample discussion because it probably deserved more attention than it got, honestly. True. Um, I agree with So, yeah, so I wanted to talk about that Oscar stuff and all that kind of thing. And then we got derailed with um, Sonny. <laughs> but it's on its way, so... All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Easter, love you. Sorry about the Archer joke. Have a good night.